0: And I was like, oh my God, who am I, you know? And who should I, what should I believe? Then that's those questions you never ask.
1: It's Uncommon Good, the podcast where we talk with ordinary people doing uncommon good in service of our common humanity. I'm your host, Polly Reese. Fam, I am so incredibly excited about our guest this week. Chinese-Australian stand-up comic He Huang. Maybe you haven't heard of her before. Let me give you a little bit of credits. Grand final, 2021, Raw Comedy, Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Just this past week, audition set, Australia's Got Talent, standing ovation, all four judges, glowing comment from David Walliams himself. Incredible. Can't wait to see what He's career does, what she does, i'm so excited note off the top this conversation has some explicit language so if that's not a good fit for you feel free and switch off we'll catch you in the next one this conversation we talked about what it was like for her to grow up in mainland china what it was like to do graduate study in public policy at georgetown and go on to a career in the world bank and most recently what it's been like for her to get started in comedy in australia and to build a unique perspective, a unique voice from a grounded place, from a grounded sense of self. Please enjoy my conversation with her. I don't know. I don't. Th- I don't. I don't think that I'm like that good of an Asian.
0: Wow, I'm... we do. We did, We literally have same similar hairstyle and the s- same forehead. Do you think people like will think like, oh, "Wow, you guys are new?" the same? Is she a boy, you know? It's just totally totally, you know, possible. <laughs> you know like I the other day I was like doing my hair like this. Oh, so I could be a guy. I could be a guy if I don't have any boobs. It's it's people want this. <laughs>
1: Well, come, like, come hang out in the non-binary space a bit. Like, it, the water, the water is usually is not exactly warm or cold, but it's somewhere in the middle. Uh, what is non-binary? Is
0: there some computer stuff?
1: Non-binary for me is, is an expression of gender. My gender, like how I perceive myself, is is not explicitly male or not explicitly female. If gender is the way that we relate to the world and the way that we fit based on like how society expects us to participate based on like physical anatomy and reproductive anatomy. Like, like I don't fit in either way.
0: Non-binary yeah. is not a, a strange idea for me, but I just have never met someone explain to me what is non-binary. It's like, do you feel boy today and you feel girl tomorrow? Or just change every day?
1: I mean, it can be, or it can be like a little bit of both at the same time. And it's a different definition like for everybody the trans non-binary community in the united states is reasonably small the asian non-binary community i would say is even smaller as a subset of that i don't know that we actually have common definitions yet for what constitutes non-binary because the term as i hear it is intended to leave lots of space Mm-hmm. so that it can include lots of definitions and lots of identities.
0: So do you think Mulan is non-binary, but she doesn't know? It? Yeah, in Chinese,
1: Ooh. it's so
0: funny. I never thought about it. When we're, like, well, when I was a kid, we, we learned um, the ballads of Mulan, right? And um, just right. never question it, never was, yeah? Was she forced or she was very happy, actually, to go join the army? You know, mm. she did so well, and she might be just a gay or lesbian. Could be. Could, <laughs> well, she could have just love guys, but identify as guys as well. You know, That's like thousands of years yeah. ago, but people just don't know that's a thing. You know, <laughs> now it's everything's possible.
1: I don't know that I even ever made that connection to Mulan as like gender queer potentially trans or non-binary but that's yeah
0: and she definitely looks be. buff because <laughs> <At> <laughs> I mean, least... been mistaken by other guys for guys for 10 20 years how rough you have to look <laughs>
1: at least like dis disney made her look buff made her look like really really fit
0: but still feminine like I can see yes. the figure of her, but I think in real life, because Mulan was happening in the time of um, China, is not nowadays, nowadays China. It's like all the yes. invasion from nomadic on the north, and those people tend yes. to be strong. So I think she's just an ugly and strong woman.
1: What sort of impact do you think that Mulan being a story told by Disney mm-hmm. has had as on the way... That it's told, say, no impact
0: for me, but probably for you guys because yeah. you guys are, are usually in an English-speaking country. For me, I didn't even know Mulan was an animation so before I, mm. you know, became a uni student, <laughs> start to learn English. <laughs> I was like, Mulan is just something I need to memorize for the exams, you know, Mulan, the mm. Mulan's, the, the Ballad of Mulan, and something like. Still, the teachers were saying like she did it for her family you need to sacrifice for your family that's the idea i had before the whole you know feminist movement i didn't know anything i was just like oh my gosh she sacrificed herself for her family that's um and then she defend her country that's it
1: that's that's such a beautiful story i wish there were more beautiful stories of like queer asian role models like we would use the language of fairy tale but like there's nothing like that in the states (laughs) yeah chinese
0: gays are so popular i mean it's not because china does not have religion so uh i think gay being a gay was a fad for like qing dynasty and a lot of ancient Uh, Chinese dynasties—they always have a uh, you know concubines, and women, and gay boys just as a friend. Sometimes they just do some anal together. <laughs> <laughs> as I was
1: as as I was preparing for our interview, I did a little bit of reading, and some things that I read talked about ancient ways, um, worshiping ancestors, um. Like in indigenous, we would use the language indigenous traditions. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, did did any of that come through, like in your experience when you were growing up?
0: Yeah, I don't. So first of all, I don't know. I mean, in Australia as well, in the states, not a popular idea of First Nations, but in Canada, in the states, um, there's an idea about a First Nation and indigenous population. So for me, I didn't know that idea. And um, Mm. in China, we just have like you know traditions, and then and I'm in the minority, ethnic minority as well. So we just have uh, family traditions. You go to the sweeping the tombs, and then when Mm. it's a dead ancestor's birthday, you need to prepare some food for them, burn some money in case they need Uber. (laughs) (laughs) So sad Chinese ghost. It's always about money. Even you're a ghost. Mm. Now I think about it, it's so sad. I was like, even you're a ghost, you're free spirit now. And um, yeah, but we do that all the time. Um, ever like Spring Festival, um, we have Swimming Tomb mm. Festival, and it's all about paying the tributes to the ancestors, respect your family lineage, your family tree. Um, I think that's just a very important part of China, you know, and the rural China most before the communists or before the new government founded the yeah. majority of China are rural area, like countryside. And right. family, just a very basic unit and a mostly just extended family. Right? So, because like my, for example, my grandpa's village, I always visit when I was a kid. The whole village is just like the same last name. I was like, okay. And my first cousin, second cousin, my grandpa's first, second, ah, the whole family is just like there, the whole village. So it's really important to bond it in that way. And um, yeah. yeah, but nowadays, I think because urbanization is just less of less that kind of tradition being kept. And yeah. um, since we don't have religions and religions basically yeah. banned in China. So people right. kind of lost, you know, what to do to even if for spring festival, Chinese New Year, or Sweeping Tour Festival, do we need to go to, you know, the tombs to pay the respect to our ancestors. I think I think I seen the trains become less of that, you know? Because when I was a kid, oh my God, we travel miles. Because like when the back then I I lived in a mountainous area. So it's so hard to transport from one location to another. I t- we have to take this bus to this town. And then take the bus from the town to the village level, and then we we'll have to catch a ride from the village to that tomb. So it's like, and then we we'll have to walk up to the mountains, hours, and just just do that. I was like, oh, God. nowadays it's hard. People just, you know, not that much of you know work.
1: I feel like it means more. Like if you have to if you have to switch a bus, cars, trains, to to, to get there. I feel like you'd appreciate it more as opposed to just like jumping in an Uber. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it, it, it is like, I, I didn't know anything. I was just uh, a kid. So I just, yeah. you know, because my parents need to do that. Right. And then, so I just follow them. Yeah. For me, that's a very beautiful memory of uh, my childhood, you know, all the mountains walking and um, yeah, shit in the wild. It's really fun. Yeah.
1: You mentioned being a part of an ethnic minority. I, I think you told me that you're Hmong. Do I have that right?
0: Yeah, uh, in Chinese we call it And yes. then it's so funny. I asked my mom, say why were this ethnicity? She was like, I don't know either. <laughs> it's just so uh, ethnicity becomes so homogenized and integrated into the majority of Chinese, you know, like ham population. So unlike of uh, Uyghurs, Tibetans, or Korean Chinese or Mongolian Chinese, um, we just don't have a lot of identity traits left. So those like ethnic minority in China, they're very obviously. Like, because I went to the university for ethnic minorities. So we have classmates who are Uyghur, Muslim Chinese, um, Tibetan Chinese, Mongolian Chinese. Korean Chinese, and I was like, they're so obvious. I can easily tell them from the crowd, the way they walk, the talk, the dress, it's really different, but for me, nobody can tell. Like I'm just like population Han Chinese, mostly, and uh, that's just like the diversity inside China, but um, everyone else just looks very Chinese, Han
1: population. Does that... In in not having like a distinctive trait among China, do you ever feel like you're like missing out, or do you, do you wish that there were more like distinctives yes, to point
0: to? I do. Um, I didn't realize how much I think people should celebrate their own culture after I grew up and then came outside. Because like the trend right now is even for Canton people, like Cantonese is they're losing their touch for their own language, right? There's like, even though people say, oh my God, you speak Chinese, but Chinese actually consists of so many languages. And then like, local, we call local dialects, but actually they're just different languages. They belong to different language families. And then right now what the Chinese government is doing is just to try to, you know, set an agenda as the Mandarin as the main language. So because people wanted to learn Mandarin, when I go back to my hometown, I just found the kids nowadays don't speak my local dialect that much. And I feel like, oh, they're, it's 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 boring, you know, because I, when I was in my uni um, back then, you know, 15, 10 years ago, 20 it was so fun. Because like, just like in the university, the celebration of different culture, we we have so many holidays in my uni. We celebrate Tibetan New Year. We celebrate Uyghurs, a holiday, you know, Passover, Ramadan. And then we also celebrate um, my New Year as well, different times in April. Yeah. And then we have yeah. other Yi Zhu. They have another <laughs> calendar for their New Year. So we have New Year's all year round. It's just so fun. And then a different ethnicity, like for Korean Chinese, they have their own tradition of, you know, different instruments. And then it's just like, a, it's, it's beautiful to see the celebration of different culture inside China. Even though people outside China may not understand it, but... We just like it, you know. It's so fun. But nowadays, it's just like you see less of them, and it's just like, oh my god, it's so sad. Everybody becomes the same, and it's so boring, because you have so many unique stuff about your region, your city. It, it, it cannot like be the same everywhere you go. That would be so boring, and then you lose uh, who you are as a as a person to your family or to the to to the town level. You know, yeah. That's why I feel like even for my uh upbringing when i grow up even though we do a lot of mandarin and stuff but we speak local dialect my parents they don't speak mandarin and at home and then we have the traditional dance in between classes um like afternoon and morning session we have our traditional dance moments um yeah so it's it's very fun i feel like i learned a lot about my culture now i think about it but now I don't think they have that anymore. Everything becomes like standardized and, and the same. It's really sad to to see nowadays kids talking Mandarin when I go home and I go like, oh, just speak your local dialect. It doesn't really hurt because they think like speak Mandarin is posh. So their parents trying to speak Mandarin with them, like so sounds so awful. It's like, oh, just speak your local dialect. It's yeah. it's nothing to be ashamed of, you know? Yeah.
1: I love the idea of there being a dance break between classes. Just like, <laughs> it's so funny. whatever. between math and science, let's just go out it's in the scary. hall like <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's so weird. Now it is like, because everybody just like dance, and then it's like, um, those dance is not not. It's like choreographed by our teacher. So I will have a dance competition sometimes during school cannon. Kind of t- <laughs> so it's like, a class one versus class two, which one have better calligraphy? You, you know? And then it's so funny, we all those dances, it's if it, it's very um rooted in the agricultural stuff. So you have like this. <laughs> oh, this is like, you know, what is fluffy, the soil, whatever. Um, because we didn't know the background of it, right? But then the teacher and then he was like, okay, this is dancing celebration harvest, stuff like so we don't harvest anything here. But, um, but it was really fun, it was really fun, we have to wear the, the, the traditional costume as well for the competition if we do that. And um, yeah, that's just like for my year, I think, I I don't know, I think my year um, in that town, or like generally speaking, was a good year for all my generations. Because like the school was just like so happy and then just wanted to encourage innovation and creative stuff. So I think all my classmates right now, even for my small town, like really small town in China, they are in Japan, in the U.S., uh, they're very achieved and then have very independent thoughts and then critical thinking. I don't see that in other generations, you know, like kids born after us, they become more and more into exams. Yeah, when my year, we're mm-hmm. still not really harsh on ourselves, but we still like study a lot. But not that, you know, we have our class magazine and then we have all sorts of stuff going on <laughs> the internet. We have so many fun stuff happening. I mean, yeah. Happened.
1: You told yeah. me that um, you told me that you had a lot of hobbies too. You told me that um, you were into comics at one point. You were, um, that, that you, yeah. were, you were a musical kid as well.
0: I am. Uh, that sounds I'm like such there. a
1: rich place.
0: <laughs> I So I will. I have a joke about I'm being spoiled. Um, yes, now I think I'm like really spoiled. I'm really lucky to have a parent um, who just, I don't know, maybe they don't know how to be a parent or we're just like, they're really just like, let me go, you know, just let you explore whatever you want. And then I remember, yeah, I have so many hobbies. Mm. Uh, I like to read comics. So my mom gave me all the subscription, you know, magazines and then monthly magazine. Wow. And then they would have all those, like, comics on it. And I was like, uh, one is the the world of uh, the universe of comics. And then another one is the um, humor monthly. <laughs> and then another one is I love science. And um, yeah, and then I, I just have so many hobbies growing up. I I tried dancing, playing piano, playing the Chinese traditional instruments. I did uh playing ping pong, and uh, yeah, badminton, <laughs> everything of oh, Chinese calligraphy. I went to classes and swimming and um what is oh I once I was really into collecting robbers, uh erasers like erasers. So yeah, like, right, right, right. I right. have like two boxes of erasers. They're so cute, different shapes. I have like teacup erasers. I got so mad with my cousin one time. They stole some of mine. My mom was really mad. She was like, "Oh my god!" I was so mad. Like I was, I didn't know what happened, because you know, I really cherish those erasers. And then they yes. just like those cousins just went to my room when I was uh in high school uh, outside of city. And then I came home. My mom feels so bad. So I'm so sorry. They stole your erasers, and it's gone. (laughs) All of them? Yeah, back then then I was so mad because those erasers are so cute. Of course they won't have some. But now I was like, whatever. They can have all of them. I still have two boxes of them.
1: (laughs) You do. What's 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 what is your favorite one that you still have?
0: Oh my god, I love so many of them. I think one of them is this. I have a fire extinguisher.
1: So cute.
0: <laughs> erasers. Yeah, that's so cute.
1: I, I immediately love the idea of a fire extinguisher. Um, erasers. Erasers. Like, Bicar- How do you
0: use it? I, of course, if I have it, I'm not going to use it to... To, to, to erase my math equation, of course, going to save it, right? I remember one time I was trying to collect a whole set of yeah. meals. Like, they have hamburgers and then sushi and then, like, so cute, everything. And then they have stove as well. So I'm trying to collect that as well.
1: <laughs> what I hear... And you describing these beautiful erasers, the the hobbies that you described. There, there was just this spaciousness that allowed you to just explore and to try things yeah. and to to find things you liked, things you didn't like, to be great at some things, to to fail at other things. And I feel like that's a really rare and precious environment to to exist in.
0: Yeah, ma'am. I'm, I'm 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 lucky. I think they gave me a lot of support and finance or space mm. to do whatever I like. I didn't know that's such a, you know, pri- privilege to have. I mean, my mom basically asked me let me explore anything. My dad really just don't give, really give a fuck. So just do whatever you like as long as you don't fail the school. That's all. That's all. And um yeah I explore pretty much everything other than sexual stuff
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> i there's always a line at some point, like like parents always have a line somewhere um yeah you yeah, so you <laughs> from this space um you go to uni but then you told me you came to the states and you studied public policy at Georgetown
0: Yeah I did So um I was uh, yeah that's uh, what I'm saying with the exploration my mom you know they they just like okay we'll do whatever you want uh, so basically <laughs> in my uni um yes they are so supportive like they gave me the money as well I was like fuck I'm just like so grateful I can never pay back them but another story is like um when I was in uni I gave myself some targets to do uh one of them is to be as exchange student or um be join the army <laughs> that's very two different objectives <laughs> and to be a volunteer I really love <laughs> yeah, it's very um it's a very dramatically different goals. So I finished my volunteer service, I did my volunteer, I organized volunteer events yeah. and I become an exchange student. So originally I really wanted to go to France, but then I was not competitive enough to get that slot for the France program. But I got the American program. Yay. So I went to the States, I came to um, New York City, so SUNY at Old Westbury, I did my year, uh, my, what is called, junior Mm -hmm. year in uni there, and that really opens up my, like, my world, it's like, oh my god, it is so different, what, uh, compared to what I I was taught, and I was, and my world kind of like upside down. I was like, oh my God, what should I believe? What should not I believe? Right. Like, just like so different. And then that's just really opens up my um, my perspective. So I was like, oh, I wanted to have more of this. So uh, that's why I decided to to do, to go to the States for a degree as well. The reason I did a policy is like my, most of my family members and then the friends are from the work for the local government. And uh, my mom, they always show me the good side. I mean, they're the good public servant. My mom, my dad, they're just, they don't sure. involve any of like, you know, organized crime <laughs> against humanity, I guess. And um, yeah. <laughs> that's so they good, just eh? like, yeah, they're just like, just be honest and do. My dad is really idealistic as well. He wants to do things good for the public. And that's how I just, like, feel like I wanted to be like that as well. So when I was in uni, I did a lot of um, parliamentary debate. It's all policy debate, like, oh, so what should we do? Like principle wise, you know, that we have utilitarian, individualism, all that I started to get to know more about social policy all the ideas. We debate. And you can't believe that back in my uni in Beijing. We debate if Taiwan is part of China, like in Beijing. And that's allowed. Now it's in unthinkable. Yeah, like we, we yeah. debate about like Somalia, Paris, and everything. It's just like so interesting. Wow. Um, yeah, it was like oh, this is such an interesting part of policy making, right? Because we're doing um, we treat ourselves as a British politician, <laughs> which is so surreal in China. We <laughs> have an upper house, lower house. I was like, what? <laughs> Why? Of the like, government whip, opposition whip. So what? If it doesn't even exist in China. Um, yeah, so it was so fun. It was opening up my world, and then I was just really into policy. So that's why I chose to study more uh, for my master's degree. Yeah. And then I went to the States, I started to study, and I was like, oh my God, this is not what I thought. <laughs> it's so difficult. I'm <laughs> so bad at math. And all my policy making, like social science in the States, are so quantitative heavily focused and i was like i'm so struggling to finish all my problem sets i don't think i'm qualified to be a, a policymaker you know but then so many times i wanted to quit and go back my mom's like yeah come back you just <laughs> she doesn't what? want me to wait. yeah she doesn't want me to be away from her i think um, um yeah she said like, just come home and stay with me you don't have to finish that whatever and then I was like, no, I cannot, you know, quit. I'm not a quitter. And then so I just managed to survive the two years. It was so tough. That two years was so tough. Yeah. And then after that, I started to work in the policy area. And then I just got frustrated about how bureaucracy doesn't matter if it's a Chinese government other government. It's just like if it's government organization, it's bureaucratic. And I just like I'm not patient and I'm not... And I was like, oh, I, I have such a good intention. There's a book actually yeah. in my field it's called, called Good Intention. And it's no, it's mm. all about how good intention tends into bad results. <laughs> yeah. And um, I was like, no, I don't like it. and then I I, have, I just have such idealistic about policy making. And I was like, oh my god. So I try yeah. a different perspective in my field for five years. I was like, i don't see myself to do this for the rest of my life so i was like yeah, yeah. No, let's quit i don't want to do any of this yeah
1: i know like i i know like doing like public policy work um you used when we were talking before you you called it charity work um you mentioned that a little bit of the work involved like some of the financing from working with the world bank i know that none of this turned out the way that you hoped it would it it wasn't yeah. what you wish it would be what what were you hoping it would be what did when you when you took the gig what did you what did you think it would be like
0: yeah i think it's just because i was too shielded um by my mom mm. about reality mm. so i just have this rosy picture about okay so let's do a project and then it's a donation right so it's it's a welfare, yeah. it's a livelihood skills we teach the local people and then try to help them to reduce the poverty rate, and then yeah. you have this good intention, but you always forgot there are people involved, and then <laughs> different people have different gender, and then they just
1: yeah.
0: have so many politics, and then we have millions of dollars wasted, and then the local yeah. people doesn't. I, I think it's hard for people who does not do my profession to understand the 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 industry of international development. If you have ever visited Africa, you will know what I mean. And there's an article about white man's burden, whatever. Um, white man's destroying Africa.
1: <laughs> Say more. Like no 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 but, but we so have weird. time. Like...
0: It's so weird. Uh, for partially, you know, I was actually no matter how bad the Chinese government have on the, in the press, but I think when I grew up, uh, if we wanted to, we have the, all the like economic plans and then reduce the poverty. Because my hometown is one of the poorest counties in the province. So yeah. we had a lot of help from Australian aid, um, Japan aid, to help us to build up the infrastructure. But I think the Chinese government just intentionally blocked a lot of uh, outside aid um to influence the local politics but they they're happy to get the infrastructure which is like good and then but then when I so that's my mindset like if you wanted to develop like help your people lift them out of poverty whatever that is called right you need to um education and uh, focus on their what they need what you have to done by the locals right but then you go to Africa you see a lot of um poverty reduction projects they're all conducted by white guys from the states yes. from europe and think doing whatever they think is beneficial for the locals And oh my god i was like this oh. and then the locals just like you know they it's been there for 100 years so they're get used to it so they're yes. they don't want it to solve the problem by themselves and then it's colliding with those uh, like corrupted politicians the president the system the government and then they just so used to be had this panhandling stuff like they just accept the donation yes and then there's a whole millions of africans employed by those like big uh, world bank UNEF, unicef and um UN. right. and doing work just paperwork it's not actually some work you help your locals to learn some skills, to like to actually help them get out of the vicious cycle. It's just like white men think what's the best for the locals, and then just do it by their own wish, and then you're just like, oh my, and then the locals become so used to the mentality that we need to get help, or rather than help themselves, you know, mm-hmm. from their own community, you know, organic change. And then you can just like this vicious circle, just like running around, running around. It is so bizarre to see that. And then from a, from a place like China, uh, my hometown, we, we just like, you know, do ourselves, we educate ourselves, focus on education, and then we make the change ourselves rather than help from outside. We do have help. That's not a doubt. But still, like the help, amount of help compared with what we received, and compared to what is happening right now in Africa, it's just so, so different. And then I was like, oh my god, this is not what I thought. Like I thought I was just gonna go there, uh, assist the project, and then the project will be executed, and then the locals yeah. will graduate from the project, and then just make everything happen themselves. But no, it's not. It <laughs> still they relies on the donations and the projects. Um, done and down, they get the money and then they're out. And I was like, oh, this is not sustainable. I guess it's still like poor area. It's not changing anything. And then those like organizations they mix with the local government. so and then the national government and the politicians is so much intertwined with each other and then corruption happening money missing and then the white white man's burden or white man's privilege in the local area you know they're hired the cheap help or servant they use their privilege in the local area just so many things happening and uh, it just makes me feel not comfortable to be involved at all yeah you know, and and i just have this rosy picture about how we should be like my dad you know and then yeah. And then you have the reality that, oh, you're part of the problem. It's like, okay, bye. <laughs> I don't want to be part of the problem. Yes. yes, it's very frustrating. So I was like, oh, uh, no, no, thank you. Yeah, and a lot of people like me, they have good intention, but then they just slowly become the problem, you know, to fly the business class to the developing country to help them, you know, to help them to do the infrastructure, help project. I mean... Can you just hire local people who are educated as you are and then just do the project locally? Why you have to fly this consultant all the way yeah. from there, this end of the world to that end of the world, a business class, five star hotel. Like that's not how it works. You should hire the local help and educate the local. But you know, there this, this is already existing system. There's no way you can break it, you know, you're either in the system or you're out.
1: you 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 uh, you described yourself as like an extremely empathetic person um, that that you just feel so much of this corruption and injustice and waste so deeply um, That sounds like, seeing all of that and having that like sit on your conscience must have been a huge burden
0: yeah it is I mean I don't know how other people feel about it but just I just feel yeah I feel like um yeah I just feel like frustrated all the time and then and you were just like a small there's nothing I can do to help you know yeah. For example, we have like millions of dollars donations for one project that the projects to help the young people in the local, right. the whole process of selecting young people, they involve a lot of work. And then and then the white people don't even speak the local language and you're like, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it just like feel frustrated because like I said like, I'm not, so I, I'm not qualified either, you know, like I'm not. I'm here doing what, you know, they, why don't they just hire someone and then the white privilege is real, like they actually go their boss around and then if you're white, you definitely have the privilege to do that and people certainly have respect and for me from as I just feel like I'm an outsider to do all of this and I feel like I'm not even an expert in you know either skill development, education, whatever. I'm just here here to help and I don't think even qualified to help, you know. So, but then you do have those ah, old white guys who are such <laughs> in debt in this industry, just walk around with their knowledge. I was like, what did you do to help this country? I don't understand, you know. And with their young African wife, with their privileged yes. place to live, their own cycle or their own neighborhood to stay uh, I just like yes. I don't know I just don't want to be part of it it's it's I think it's just an excuse to them for them to want to travel around that's all I can do comedy and do that so and I feel happy about
1: it <laughs> I hear I, I hear this common thread between as you were describing the kids back home in in your hometown back in the province uh. Not speaking the local dialect, but speaking only Canton, and then hear the the sense of what help should look like and what what constitutes a good life. That there's this there's this erasure of local identity and a sense of a sense of community and a sense of of of, of tradition of identity. Of, of, yeah, like we're we're losing who we are.
0: Yes, I think so because I feel like the world become more homogenous, mm. and um, I just uh, I mean I'm saying this in English, so it's actually very homogenous. But I just feel like um, sure, people shouldn't, sure. yeah, force what you think to the mass. You know, like let them have some, uh, you know, certain autonomy, decide, yeah, what do yeah. I want? And then I think that's just not happening in China, or where I was working. I used to see a lot of oppression from people thinking they're right, and to people yeah. who are, you know, maybe they don't have the knowledge from outside, or so I just, uh, yeah, so that's how I feel about it. Because like, when I grew up, we at least have the chance to export ourselves, and then information, as I said to you, was actually that not that closed. I was I grew up in a very yeah. pretty open-minded time of in China, and then now I feel like it's become more and more closed, and um yeah, and then people inside the country or just like the kids after me, I just become so ignorant and more sheltered from the world yeah. you know they just want to and then at the same time they're losing their identity it's so pathetic like they are losing their ident- identity they don't have the freedom to explore inside China or outside China so that's the thing happening right now I think but for me I just really appreciate the time I get to explore at least And then without all this, like, noise and then what you should do, what you should not do, like, the same agenda everywhere you go. So, yeah, that's how I feel about it.
1: Does it feel like that homogenization, that is, like, coming from, like, the government trying to keep ideas out? Does it feel like that's an issue of, like, technology with the internet and everybody trying to be, like, the same sort of, like, standard of... Uh, of young person like what where do you think that comes from
0: yeah i think so like part of the internet is a problem because everything happens so fast it's it happened uh in the west democracy country as well right you have instagram yeah. so people post their picture on instagram instagram model you're like oh my god i won't just look like him kim kardashian's huge butts big boobs i love it <laughs> <laughs> i loved it but i don't have it though. i don't have huge butts um no, yes it so, so everyone wants to be like that. So in China it's the same like you have some cute Chinese girl and become super skinny and then don't yeah. eat food at all. And then if someone speak perfect Mandarin on the internet, you want to look at her. and then I think for a confident yeah. government or for a confident country, um, you're just not afraid of opening up and criticism, you know that's how I feel like a confident person at least like if I'm confident right? whatever you said to me, I'm okay because I know who I am and I'm confident about who I am. But if you're not, it's just like you make people and then you try to scare people into believing something or just try to force your beliefs to someone else, you know? And then I think that's just both happening and with the information age. Yeah. yeah I think so. But for me, we're like less of uh, influenced by outside noise because I grew up without too much of internet you know we have to put DOS a huge yeah. desktop so internet was a still new thing Goodness. for us yes and then I remember oh my god when I was in my middle school I was trying to watch Bro Back Mountains yes. oh my I watched it I caught it when the scene didn't delete yeah <laughs> I was like
1: cover my <laughs> laptop like
0: this in class, in my computer class, I was like, Oh my god, I need to finish this. You <laughs> were so lovely. Yes, I love <laughs> yeah, that's the internet was. Well. So we didn't grow up with that yeah. kind of noise as well. So I think it gave us a little bit of happiness and then also I don't know, just spend more time with ourselves, I guess. Yeah.
1: Yes. When I when I grew up, um... I I think I'm a little bit older than you because Brokeback Mountain came out probably when I was in high school or or even even a little bit older than that. Internet was this sort of treat because the internet wasn't awful yet, because it was still this modern technological marvel. And so you got to be, your, your internet share on the one terminal, the one computer in the house that had a modem, and it could only be that one computer, you got to be on the internet for an hour if you were really good. And it was a yes, treat rather yes. than a burden yes. that it is now. Okay. We we will be recording longer than than yes. I was allowed to be on.
0: <laughs> yes, we had like a, the only time we can have the internet is the p uh, the computer class during my yeah. time, yeah. yeah. And then I was on a, I was a uh, boarding school as well, so we don't have any chance to have internet. Only thing we can have from outside is the radio. So we actually will mm. cuddle and listen to the ghost stories on the radio, and that's the thing. And then that's like what's it called late night Eden Garden. <laughs> people call, <laughs> call the host about their problem I was like oh dude i just love this and then the host would be like what the fuck is wrong with you <laughs> it's like talk about that yeah. <laughs> like bashing inside in the corners like you have problem work on your problem he, she's cheating on you she's a piece of shit while you're listening to her you know just stop get out of there i was like that's how her- <laughs> that's not like up there you know, everybody went to sleep Uh, for your girls you know in the dorm just like listen to the review and that's our entertainment it was really fun it's like it's fun I think it's fun I don't really I think I really liked it yeah I wouldn't trade it for internet I still wanna if I have a chance to choose to redo it I still wanted to do what I did in the past you know yeah. no internet just have fun with friends and classmates. It's so fun. Yeah.
1: You have to use your imagination, like with, with. Uh, I I feel like such an old person, but with with TikTok and Instagram, like all of these visual media, there is. Like everything is there for you. With, with when you listen to a radio show, you have to imagine like what the character looks like, what's being said. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes. It was so funny. <laughs> Late night Eden Garden. I still remember the name <laughs> of it. Eden Garden. It's so fun.
1: One of the things I heard you saying is that you have this clear sense of self, and that doesn't come easily. One of the things that you said really gave you some time and space to find that was beginning work in comedy which i think that you said you started while you were here in dc
0: yeah uh, i think it's just took me a very long time to figure out who i am and one of the benefits in this so i think like that's why i think us is a big part of my life i have a dc flag on my butt (laughs) <laughs> on, the, on my left side you know when, <laughs> my mom said like, what is that tattoo I was like it's a district flag just like why don't you tattoo Chinese flag on your butt I was like oh my god I'm Chinese I don't need to tattoo anything the Chinese on myself
1: <laughs>
0: but the point is like it's not only by doing comedy I think it's before that and uh, since I went to the US for my exchange program for a year I started to really start to oh my god like my world collapsed because of Mm. everything i was taught and then just overthrown by everything i learned in the states and then you know like my worldviews my values and i was like oh my god who am i you know and who should i what should i believe Mm. and um then that's those questions you never ask and i never asked when i grew up because you have such a hectic schedule for study and then your parents never gave you the freedom to ask questions they gave me the freedom to explore my hobbies but they never explained to me what should be maybe they they even my, my dad pretty spiritual person but my mom she never she's just a happy person by net na- by nature
1: and then they don't
0: have a lot of exploration about you know belief and values and stuff like that yeah so and that's where I actually start to question myself. I was like, oh, okay, should I have some religion? <laughs> I went to Christian church. I went to, you know, Buddhist, whatever. I just I was like, I was like, ah, I don't really think there's a a Lord there. <laughs> I try, but I was like, I don't, I cannot give myself to him. I, I cannot. I don't even give myself to my parents. I cannot. So I was like, so then who I am as a person, what should I believe? So it just took me a long time to figure it out throughout the process, you know, in the States, away from my parents, doing my master's degree and did my work. I think by the time I started to do comedy about five years ago, I have established who I am at that point, uh, roughly, right? And then by the process of doing comedy and then, I become more and more confident about who I am, so and now I'm like yeah. really happy and uh, just comfortable who I am. Like, I know I don't have any be- a religion and I'm I atheist, but it, I just believe in doing good things, and then that's it. I don't need to believe in any religion to feel good about myself or just feel something I can rely on. Just you know, I don't, I'm an atheist and I just believe in doing good things, and that's it. And then also, I have all their values establish who I am, you know, in terms of how to deal with families, how to deal with all those two sides of the China, you know, inside China, outside China. So I have pretty good uh, understanding about that as well. You know, before I was like, oh my God, what's happening? Why there's one thing they said about this and another thing they said about this. And I was like, oh my God. It's all about manipulation from the media, from the capitalists or from the government. Um, it doesn't, you know, say Chinese government necessarily evil or American government necessarily good. They're both evil and good. So before that, I was like, oh, my God, what should I believe? I don't know. And I think that the process of doing that is, it involves a lot of reading as well. So you have to read the history policy the philosophy and watching a lot of documentary i think that everything just helps it's not like i figured out myself and also talking to your friends your peers people who have similar background who does not have similar background from different cultures so i think that everything happening in that past five to six years just helped me to figure it out who i am and confident who i am so now I'm so confident. I'm so comfortable about myself. I'm just a bitch. So who doesn't give do an F about anyone else? <laughs> oh my God. All those expectations from my parents for nothing, you know? I think people nowadays um, become more and more extreme. Like in their views, like this is going to be good or bad. But so many things just in between. Like people say, oh my God, Chinese government is the worst.
1: But no, they have
0: done a lot of good things. And then I have known a lot of people who works in the government. They're good people, you know. They're grassroots public servants. They're not evil. But there are really bad guys in the government as well. But I think that's just like the same for American government, Australian government, the bureaucracy. And then a lot of people just don't say that nowadays because it requires a lot of nuanced understanding about the system, about the world. And it's just a lot of brain work for a lot of people. Yeah. So, But yeah, so it's like either extremely bad or extremely good. But no, you are consist of humans and humans are just not perfect. And then that yeah. just applies to all human beings. And then I think I just have that nuanced understanding about the world after I struggle for yeah. quite a long time. And then as you said, I when I realized who I am, I was so liberated and so free. Yeah. So it's like I'm just comfortable. I, I don't think um being rich or poor doesn't really impact on my comfortability about myself, you know. Because mm. I know who I am. I I know what I want. So that's that's good enough for me. Yeah.
1: Mm what is it that makes a thing that we can do? Good. Uh, I've been pondering this a lot. And I, I, I just don't know.
0: The good things. I think that's a big question. So my dad once said to me, he was like, if you want to help someone, don't expect someone to pay back that's at least everybody can do that kind of mentality because i used to say oh if i help you you have to you know sometime return the favor in the future but he said just like if you want to help someone just don't expect them to help you back i guess that's just how he does things because he does really help a lot of people and then and people just think so generous like it's a lot of fight between my mom and dad. It's just like, my mom said, why did you help him? And then he's not going to help us. Like all kind of constant fight. And I think if you cannot do anything like big to the world, you think just at least you can do that. Like if you can just help people out, small, small favors and just don't expect to pay you back. I think that's, that's at least you can do. And then also like you can do so, so many things like small, small, small things can do in your life can just make them just be nice to people, like be nice, smiling and mm. to everyone and understand. Like if like I work in comedy, right? So right. It's just sort of happening in the industry. People who not necessarily are comedians, but they're in the industry. They are behind the scenes, the producers, they are organizers, the bookers, the venue managers. And just be nice to them. Don't be a dick. That's at least you can do, you know. But that's sometimes a lot to ask to some to certain people. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. so I, I don't know. I just feel like, um, yeah, generally don't be a dick. That's a minimum. And if you want it to be better, just help out as you can. And um, don't think about how they're going to pay back. Mm. Yeah. One thing that's really good is to have boundaries. Mm. So um, it's, it's very hard to do that. I think I'm like yeah. learning. Part of being mature is that you set up the boundaries between you and the outside yeah. world. Sometimes if you cannot take other people's emotions or problems, just say, no, that's good. That's good for you. And then that's good for someone else. At least they know you, you're, you're clearly rejected, you know, don't leave them hanging there. You know? And then that's good for me too. If I want to work with someone and he's just like, oh my God, I'm not sure. And I said, just give me a no or yes. And uh, I will be happy. If it's no, I will move on to find someone else if it's yes, let's work on it. But sometimes like the boundary of the and then the power of saying no, it's so hard. I, I do understand that. But um yeah, but I, you just need to learn how to say no and set up the boundaries. Oh, my God, I have to teach my parents the boundaries. It's so hard. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I know, right? Like, like, so like, I grew up, in, I grew up in the States with with white parents. But like, there, there's like we we have this this term for, for that phenomenon and and like being Asian, but sort of, but not and and the language of model minority. Um, we we use it's it's a whole thing, but it in the culture here, like it almost felt like it was wrong to say no when you are asked to help. But that but that boundary, I, I hear you say that that finding that boundary is just so life giving.
0: Yeah, it is. It's. Yeah. I'm still learning, but then it's. It's really. It's really um a very powerful skill to do good. I think you're doing yeah. good for yourself and then for someone else. So people will know you can or cannot. Sometimes I, for me, part of the problem I used to work on is I overstretch myself, and and in yeah. the end, everybody's upset. So I said, like, I have so many commitments and I say yes to everything. And then, and then I just overstretch myself to everything. And then in the yeah. end, nobody's happy. So I think that's a process of you figuring out about yourself, what makes you happy, my feel, what makes you feel good about yourself. And then also you're doing someone else a favor as well. If you're committed to something and you're going to be shit at it, don't do it. <laughs> just say no. <laughs> and people understand you know like it's adults people have their own stuff going on and they know everyone has limits yeah
1: i want to pivot a little bit um i I want to get into comedy a little bit more i feel like yes 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 how did you get to being in australia and and working in, in in comedy like what was that journey to the present moment like for you
0: yeah, so my comedy starts in the States, and then I did one year, and then, you know, I just kind of get bored by you Americans. Hello,
1: guys. <laughs> We're not very yeah. interesting. We're just yeah, really no, loud. You guys
0: are interesting, but I just travel so much inside the States. I feel like, yeah. okay, other than the big cities in the U.S., everywhere else, is just shopping malls, like George <laughs> <laughs> Or Cornfields. I was like, oh, thank you. I'm going to go. Uh, so I decided to explore the world more. And then I went back to China and then did my year there. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, China is not the China I grew up with. It's very changed. And my mentality was still back in the uni when everything is so opening yeah. and I'm very welcoming. I was like, what's happening right now, China? You can do better. And so I left. I was like, adios, bitch. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go. <laughs> Yes, I was like, I cannot do this anymore. I want to go. So, um, so I decided to come to the easiest country for Chinese nationals to get a visa. Like, I, I don't want to, you know, get on a boat and travel here illegally. So I said, I want to properly came here. I so said, I came here with a working holiday visa. It's so funny. I was chatting with a very senior and famous Chinese comedian doing English comedy. And I was like, I'm going to Australia. Do you have any tips for me for comedy career? And he was like, Australia, do they have comedy? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to be honest, before I came here, I didn't know they have a pretty, I I mean, they have active comedy scene as well. I only know Melbourne Comedy Festival. So that's why I went to Melbourne. So I went there and then started to get to know, I didn't know anyone. I just came here like I did with all my traveling. Just trust the people are good. <laughs> the locals are good. And then um, I started my comedy. Uh, I joined this competition and then mm. the pandemic hits. And the competition, yes. I went to the semi final round and then pandemic started. Everything closed. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's when it's so interesting that the world becomes so different compared to before I came here. Right. But during the pandemic, I get to know you guys. I took yeah. my coffee. I kept doing comedy because that's the only thing I wanted to do. So I kept doing, keep doing. And then when the lockdown over in Melbourne, by the way, Melbourne has the longest lockdown in the world that time. And then I came outside. I just become more and more appreciating live comedy. But when I yeah. when the pandemic started, I was just only two years into comedy.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, 2020, right? Yeah. Oh, that's my third year into comedy. And mm. then um, yeah, so I was like, I need to do more, and then I just get more active, and then Melbourne comedy scene are very welcoming, and then I I went to the the national final, which Hell is yeah. Yeah, that's that's literally the one who opened up the whole scene in Australia to me. So more people saw me.
1: Mm. And then
0: most importantly, the bookers. So I get to really busy yeah. after a lockdown. So I was like just running around like a maniac for yeah. gigs. I'm a gig pig as well. So I love gigs. I love to work. I love to do comedy. And um, yeah, that's how it started. And now it's my third year in Australia. And um mm. Pick up more and more paid shifts
1: compared to Americans.
0: Australian does have a smaller scene and fewer comedians, so which means mm-hmm. if you are good, you get to the level of being paid faster compared to Americans because you're just too many of you guys, comedians, <laughs> and so competitive. All of you guys are awesome. So here is smaller, so I get paid crap often here. I'm doing more about festivals, which is different from the states. Here, French and comedy festival are legit. Yeah. They're not a scam. They're actually a <laughs> festival. That, uh have audience. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I get to a lot of um explore a lot about myself, who I am. I'm still trying to figure out my voice, that being said, because comedy just no shortcuts. You just kind of yes. have to put in the work and then let it figure out itself as time goes on. And um, here in Australia, compared to American style of comedy, they are more, uh, the audience here are more generous. So if you mm. maybe uh, two years, three years, you can have your own solo. I still have audience. That's how actually they're desperate for comedy. And wow. uh, because of that, I get a chance of, explore myself more freely as a person as an artist as a performer so yeah that's like really um really grateful so far like everything australia has been giving to me just like very nice i haven't had any problems you know and there's so many asians in australia so good the food is good it's close to asian markets and then asian Mm. countries you know and then a lot of stuff i've seen her um, Easy yeah. to get it; they can just ship it from China, from other parts of Asia. It gets here so quickly, and um, yeah, so far it's like that. And uh, yeah,
1: I am no stand up. I I'm trained as an improviser and and as a sketch writer, um, and, and as well as a musical improviser. I'm I'm, I'm trained as keyboardist, but we have more stand ups, so the scene. By virtue of that, is more competitive. I don't know that we're necessarily better. Like I've seen a lot of, and I and I love I, I I love young comics, but it's not it's not a matter of whether comics are young. I've just seen a lot of lazy stand up comedy. What do you <laughs> like, mean by lazy stand up? Like like medi- mediocre. Like the jokes are like the. The jokes are like half of a joke. Like, like it's a really good premise, but there's nothing unexpected, or there's no new perspective. Um, I, I, I yeah. Think there's a sense of just entitlement because we have a lot of. Okay, I'll say it. We have a lot of mediocre white men in comedy.
0: haha ha, You said it, Paul. Great. Good <laughs> on you. I did. <laughs> uh, I. I... Definitely failure. Um, I have been watching a fair amount of comedy now since I started. It does have the trend of comedy become more and more hacky and non-conventional. No, not mm. conventional, sorry, sorry, false. Apologize for my English. <laughs> uh, but I, I definitely agree with you. But uh, one thing I, I think is nowadays uh, the whole entertainment industry being demo- democrat- democratized oh my god my english what is that you can be famous on tiktok on instagram you don't necessarily mm-hmm. don't have to do the traditional route you know go to the industry get picked by bookers and stuff like that i think it's, it helps with bringing more new um, innovative and creative or new perspective to the comedy industry but i think there's still majority of the industry who make the des- decisions are still dominated by the own mentality like white male comedians are the best you know and then there are a lot of them out there that's a the thing like they whenever whenever i go to a gig it's always white males oh yeah. just like white males so like to to be honest like why are you gonna leave the bookers to choose they don't have any choice the point is that you have to bring more people of color or female comedians to encourage them to do more open mics. I feel like sometimes it's really, we have to do a lot of work, you know, like to, to, to work on yourself, to have more people of color to be in this industry so that the bookers have good choice to choose from rather than choosing a white people, you know? So we need to have a bigger pool. That's what I'm trying to say. But with that being said, there are too many of white males, straight male comedians. <laughs> doing a lot of hacky jokes I was like this is so predictable guys and then how can you not see mm-hmm. that just write something about you do you have souls do you have lives just <laughs> write something about you about your family like yeah. I don't know it's for me I just don't I, I just have standards now because I've been watching so many comedy, mm-hmm. and then whenever I see bad comedy I just shut it down. yeah just like my <laughs> whole brain shut it down now and then just amazed by how many audiences sit there and watch that comedy and um whenever the bomb is laugh so hard oh, I think I've become those comedians now, just laughing at other comics miseries. God, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, because you have many of you guys, white comedians. Like yes. you have to be exceptional good to stand out nowadays. Yes. Yeah. If if not, it's just hard for you to stand it out because just too many of you guys. And then good things for us is like we don't have a lot of us. So for me, I might be the only <laughs> Chinese person from China in that lineup. So I get a lot of diversity quota, which is awesome as I get paid. Uh, <laughs> money is very important for a comedian yes, to survive. Just... My rent is due tomorrow, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I don't know. I just feel like, uh, yeah, so I feel like nowadays comedy is like that, but I think it's changing um, even for audience. Their their, their their taste and they're being exposed to yes. so many years of comedy, they become more and more picky. So, I think that's one of the reasons why you cannot be super successful nowadays. It's hard to stand out as a comedian, stand up comedian. Yeah. You have to do this and that, all sorts of stuff to create your following, you know? Yeah. So, which is good. I think, um, I, I still believe comedy is a mass choice. If you're good, people will choose you. If you're not good, you will be, you know, just hmm. get rid of by like, this system. Yeah.
1: Even while comedy is becoming so much harder to be successful for all of the reasons that you've you've talked about, what gives you hope about it? What gives you hope about continuing to work in the industry?
0: Oh my God, I don't know. I just love comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I just love stand up. It's intriguing to how, how I can make one joke work, and then the yeah. process of it is just very intriguing for me. And then the reason I wanted to do comedy English is trying to break down, or bring down the stereotype about Chinese and not being funny. You know, about my perspective and versus your perspective, and how I can make it work to make you feel funny you know feel like oh the joke is fun and original and authentic at the same time it's just a joke you know so I think that's what motivated me to do it not necessarily I wanted to do a TED talk about Chinese culture but I I do want to bring (laughs) that part into my comedy in the future and then to see oh uh, the end of the day we're all stupid human beings it doesn't matter if you're Chinese or white or black or brown. It's, it's 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 there's a joke in every culture and in every perspective. So that's what a, a very a big motivation for me to do, not in my native language. yeah.
1: Our world is a hard place to live in right now. What sorts of what sorts of things are inspiring you? What sorts of people ideas? make make life worth living
0: i don't think our world is hard to live right now you guys have so much good stuff going on wi-fi is stable that's good
1: yes uh, <laughs> yes
0: <laughs> i can take a hot shower every day that's good yes. i i can eat a lot of snacks as i want it and drink as much as i want it. that's good and I just, um I'm a, just like a very amazed by everyday people, you know, I I walk outside the street, people trying really hard to make a living, no matter who they are. And then sometimes you like in the morning, late at night, people still working. That's just like a, I'm just a, a, every time always moved and touched, inspired by those people, not by like super famous or rich people. Like I just like, oh my God. I cannot live that lifestyle, you know, yeah. and then it's like, you know, try and make the best of the day and then work, you know, it's hard, it's, it's hustling. And then I, I I seriously don't think it's a bad word to live right now. It's just like the internet and the media makes it sound bad. Everyone else, like my mom, my family, they're pretty happy, they're secure, they feel lucky. And they're in China, but the world makes China sounds like a hell, but they're not. They're just like normal people try to get by and then they are lucky part of Chinese people. And me, I'm lucky too. I'm a Chinese people living abroad and then still, you know, I have food, I have shelter, I have job, I have income, I have comedy. I think that's pretty happy, yeah.
1: And now you've got one of the one of like the great festivals of comedy coming up you're going you're doing Edinburgh Fringe in a couple weeks
0: yeah never been there is my first time I'm very excited mostly just like uh, to see how it is like to be yeah. um, just just the biggest fringe festival in the world and um not sure I, I don't know I don't have any expectation I just want to be safe I don't want to get COVID
1: yeah I feel like it's. I feel like it's a rite of passage to do Edinburgh. Uh, like all of all of my friends who who have done it, um, say that there's there's a certain. I don't know. Yeah, there there's, like you're you're the re- you're the real deal once you've done a really divey pub to like two people to to you and the sound guy, uh, for for like a ten night run. Um, not, not that I would ever wish that on you, of course, but I don't, know. it's, it seems yeah. like, yeah. Um, amazing. I, I, I hear so many things in, in the way that you describe the world, so many things to be, to be grateful for, to be thankful for. And I, I think that that's beautiful. Yeah. You, I don't know. It's,
0: it's Yeah, I'm not, I think people just nowadays concentrate on what they don't have and then don't appreciate what they already have. So mm. I think you just need to know it's not the worst. There's so many other people outside just living their life day by day, trying to make the most out of it. And those people are just my inspiration. And then you should feel grateful for whatever you already have and work on it.
1: One last question. What do you want the world to look like when you're done with it?
0: My God, I wanted to... I was wondering if we can teleport when I'm dying.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my God, when well, we're like kids, we're right about future, right? Um, we yeah. think about we'll be we're flying with a flying bus. It's not happening. So I wonder when that's going to happen. And... Um, I don't know that's a good question. I've never thought about it. I just wanted to people will be happy about who they are eventually and then don't be try not try don't try to be who you're not and feel frustrated about it. I think generally that is my thought yeah, and if we have a flying boss, that'll be nice <laughs> wondering. Also, this bus can go to the ocean, that'd be lovely.
1: Oh, a bus that could just pick you up, like, a, hover like a helicopter, but also like not be expensive like a helicopter. Oh, that sounds so good.
0: Yeah, it's so good. And uh, I don't know, I don't know, I just feel like we're in a technology booming. And um, hope yeah. we can have some other great minds. Before I die, you know, came to the world, just inspired people with their original thoughts and ideas. That would be lovely. I cannot just read Socrates, Confucius all the time, (laughs) Laos. Some original ideas I cannot think of. I hope someone else can think about it before I die.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much for for being on the show.
0: Oh my God, you are... You're over saying it. Uh, it's my privilege to be here.
1: <laughs> my thanks to my guest, He Huang. You can follow her on YouTube at He Huang Comedy and on the Instagrams as well. Thanks for tuning in to Uncommon Good with Polly Reese. The program is produced in southwest Philadelphia on the unceded land of the Lenny lenape tribe and the Black Bottom community. If you enjoy listening to the show, Please, please support the show by leaving us a five-star review and subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps people find us. Uncommon Good is also available on YouTube and Instagram. Follow us there for more accessible video content and goodies. We love questions and feedback. You can send us a DM on Instagram or an email at uncommongoodpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time, wishing you every Uncommon Good to do your uncommon good, to be the uncommon good.